Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're selling on a regional basis at farmer's markets or just online, and you want to expand your retail and e-com distribution, you should look into courses and webinars from Kitchen to Shelf. That's Kitchen to Shelf, where we can help you learn what you need to know to grow. More details, kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. Hi, I'm Steve Clear, and today I'm welcoming to the program Kelly Lee, the creator and founder of Rowdy Bars. Not that she's rowdy necessarily, but she is active, an avid backpacker, runner, and outdoor enthusiast who was also experimenting with coming up with clean eating recipes. Like many entrepreneurs, Rowdy Bar's genesis came about after a personal health crisis, which Kelly will tell us more about. But after many gooey hours in the kitchen, she found herself perfecting a bar with the hopes of developing a snack that could be taken backpacking on trips with her husband, Eric. She refused to let the health obstacles halt the progress she made, and this is when she discovered the health benefits of prebiotics, the superfood yakin root, and shortly afterwards, the first Rowdy Bar was born. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you for having me, Steve. <laughs> no problem. So, hey, you know, it's, it's uh, we've been trying to do this since, do you remember the fancy food show? It was 10 years ago, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it feels that way. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been a very, very, I mean, I, we all went into that January show in very, very uh, high spirits and whatever else. And then what happened? Holy mackerel. It's been um, quite a year. <laughs> but, you know, you've been continuing to grow the business, uh, Rowdy Bars. And so let, let's start a little bit with, it mentioned like many people who get into the food business or beverage business, um, it's a personal need or a personal want, desire that, that got them into the business. So talk a little bit about how, what you're doing before and how you transferred over to making Rowdy Bars. Uh, absolutely. Um, so I've always been an active individual. I started running when I was really young. I think I was about 15. And um, always been interested in healthy eating. And as I've, as I've gotten older, um, my husband and I have gotten really into backpacking. And um, I always would cook our own food when we'd go backpacking. And, um, you know, I don't use the, the prepackaged meals. I was one of those people that would vacuum seal my, um, my food because I wanted to eat real food when I was up in the mountains. And um, around this time, it was, it was probably about 2013, I started having some uh, digestive health issues. And, you know, when I think back into my childhood, I think I've had them, but they didn't, they didn't start to really develop until I started getting older. And um, anyway, we, it led to gallstones and um, I had to have those removed. And shortly after the gallstones were removed, I was diagnosed with hypothyroid. And being an avid runner, a backpacker, someone who was always full of energy to someone who was fatigued, couldn't think straight, um, lost energy, lost interest in the things that I loved doing, um, it, it struck a chord with me that, hey, I, I got to look into this and, and kind of do some research. I ended up um, researching living with hypothyroid, how to eat with hypothyroid. And um, that's kind of where my journey began in wanting to eat and live with um, a healthier way of living for hypothyroid. And, and, and so, all right, so, you, and obviously a bar is, um, 
uh, a good transportable food and whatever else. Now, if I was talking to you and you came to me and said, hey, I want to get into the, the food business, uh, healthy and gourmet food or whatever, the two areas I'd tell you not to go into would be bars or barbecue sauce. But, um, but you were obviously doing that for, for backpacking, right? Transportability. Right. So, mm -hmm. so you're in your kitchen, you're mixing this stuff up. When does that transfer to, hey, somebody else might want this or how did that happen? Well, so I, when I was experimenting with the different ingredients for, for hypothyroid, I, I realized I wanted to get away from high glycemic. And so I started researching sweeteners and that's when I came across the yukon route. And I started to create this bar that my husband and I were taking backpacking and every weekend he'd be like, are you going to make the dream? But he was calling them dream bars. Are you going to make the dream bars this weekend? And I said, yeah, I guess I could make them. And so I would, I would make them and we'd feel really good while we were eating them. And then I decided I was going to make it for my family for Christmas. I was like, you know, this Christmas, I think I'll just make bars for everybody since my husband loves them. They seem to be good. It's kind of a nice gift. And my older sister said, you should sell these. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I think these could sell. So at the time I was doing um, marketing for one of our local hospitals, uh, St. Mary's and uh, for their uh, wellness and fitness center and their rehab center. So I started out with my coworkers and they loved them. And then my boss actually said to me, if you want to sample them out to the the members, I'm okay with that. And I said, really? She said, yeah. And so I ended up making a couple of batches and I had, I had a table and I was sharing them with the members and I ended up getting a couple of members who were um, wanting to start, they wanted to start buying them from me. And so I was like, well, maybe I could turn this into a business. And um, at that point I got a cottage food permit so I could make um, the bars out of my kitchen at home and was making um, 10 batches a week. I was actually going to school full time, getting my MBA up at UNR, and I was working full time and making about the 10 batches a week to sell to the members at the, at the St. Mary's uh, Wellness Center. And um, it just started to evolve. And then it turned into a looking for a commercial kitchen. And then I ended up meeting a mentor um, and he suggested that I skip the commercial kitchen and start looking for a co-packer. And so then it just evolved into that whole uh, process. Uh, a, a, a call out for the cottage kitchen laws, by the way, because many, many great food products have been born out of, uh, out of those, those laws, which, you know, allow us to do things at the beginning that we maybe couldn't do. Um, so and, and interesting that you bring it up. We're actually the second person I've talked to like in the last two weeks who uh, decided to go from kitchen to co-packer. Mm -hmm. So uh, how did you, did you like sit down on the, with the yellow pages or Google and go co-packer? How do I do this? How did, how, what was that journey like? So that was a very interesting journey. I called the year of 2016, the year of no's because uh, everybody told me no. Um, you are not big enough. You would have to do a hundred thousand bars to be at our manufacturing facility. And so um, I actually, there's a, um, an organization here in Reno called Nevada Industry Excellence. I ended up meeting a gal through that organization who gave me um, a contact to a smaller co-packer. She said, they might be able to do smaller runs for you. You might want to give them a try. They were new. They were just starting out. And um, so 
she put me in contact with that co-packer. They agreed to work with us, and we started out with 15000 as our first initial run. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah that did it. So yeah. we're and, and, and going back to the dream bars for a second. So the iteration, <laughs> the recipe, formula, whatever we want to call it, uh, were you using yakun root at that time? And where, what is yakun root? Where does it come from? Why is it so good for us? Yeah. So originally when I was doing all my healthy cooking, cause um, my husband called me, uh, he, he used to call me workout Kelly because I was either working out or I, I was cooking clean recipes and he's always begging for um, just a regular chocolate chip cookie, but I'm usually making it with, um, really clean ingredients, but uh, I went from using brown rice syrup because I was using brown rice syrup. I'm not a huge dates fan. So I don't really care much for the date, the, the flavor of dates, so I was always using the brown rice syrup. Well, when I started researching um, my insulin and blood sugar and, and uh, glycemic index, um, I realized that the brown rice syrup wasn't wasn't good for me. And that's when I started researching other types of sweeteners. And that's when I came across the Yukon Root. I don't even know how I landed on it. When I think back on those days of, of research, I feel like there was some other force that brought me brought it to me because I cannot remember how I stumbled across it. But Yukon Root has been used for many years for medicinal purposes in um, South America. Right. It looks like a sweet potato, but it has the consistency of an apple or a watermelon because it is fibrous. Um, it's, it has an FOS inulin, so it's a fructosecaceride, which is a um, prebiotic bacteria. So not only is it naturally sweet, but it also acts as a prebiotic, so it aids in digestion. So I decided, I mean, I've owned businesses in, the, in my younger years, and so I had um, a tax ID number, and I was able to buy some of it in bulk from a supplier. And so I was just baking out of bulk with, with the, um, the syrup that I was buying. Right. And yes, so the dream bars were all made with the Yukon root. And this is when I started to notice the difference in my overall health with hypothyroid. And um, so I used it for everything that I was baking with at that point. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, and, and then obviously when you start selling and sort of a friends and family and coworkers, whatever else, um, and when you went to a co-packer, you, you went through obviously packaging design. How did you choose flavors? How did all that happen? So my original flavor, the one, the dream bar was a peanut butter and chocolate, of course because oh, peanut butter and chocolate are like the best. And um, so, however, when I was going from kitchen to um, co-packer, I ended up meeting a food scientist and her and I, we met, she was like out of her kitchen kind of food scientist. I went to her house in California and we were in her little kitchen coming up with different concoctions of how we were going to bring this to a mass level. And this is where I started to learn about the percentages and the formulas and taking it from a recipe to a formula. And um, so she helped me um, evolve that recipe into a formula, but then we decided we needed more than just one just in case that one didn't work. And so I came up with a, I actually came up with a mango coconut and that one didn't work out. So then I came up with just a cashew and co chocolate cashew, uh, chocolate coconut cashew is how the one that I came out with. And that formula just worked. And so we gave both of those formulas to the co-packer and they said, we, we think we should start with the coconut one because it, we think it'll be easier for us to get dialed in before we, Right. adventure off to other flavors right. so that's yeah. kind of how that evolved mm -hmm. and and how many flavors have you got today 
Today we have five flavors. Five flavors, okay, mm -hmm. all right. And I wanna make sure, so folks, just in case you're interested, what's the website, Kelly, people can visit to get more information and product? It's rowdybars.com. Okay. R-O-W-D-Y-B-A-R-S. Very interesting, so that's good. Okay, so now we've got a 15,000 order sitting in the warehouse, and um, how do you transition to, oh, I have to go out and sell this thing? <laughs> So I decided that I was going to build a team. I was by myself. It was just me. And I ended up subcontracting. I was subcontracting, subcontracting everything because I knew that I couldn't have employees at that point because right. I just didn't have the capital or the means to do it. And so um, I ended up, I had a, a friend here in, in Reno who owns a marketing and branding um, firm. And so I reached out to him and um he helped me get started. He helped me get the logo together. He helped me get the website together. And we built the website. We started with the website. And we launched that actually in December of 2017. But then we launched with, um, you know, basically in the market in January of 2018. Right. Um, and our first retailer, I just started pounding on doors. Like that was my, my thing. I just started calling people, showing up at grocery stores, talking to people. And uh, here in Reno, we have a local um, grocery store called Scolari's. They, um, they had, when growing up here, they had about 15 stores. And when I um, reached out to them, they had about seven stores. And um, they gave me uh, an opportunity. They said, we'd like to carry your bars, your local, we'd like to support you. So in, we launched in January 2018. February of 2018, we were in all Scolaris, which was super exciting for me because yeah. I was like, this is my first PO. Oh, my gosh. And it was a direct purchase. Right. <laughs> so um, we, didn't, we weren't dealing with distributors at that point. And um, so I, her name's Lori. And um, I just, I, my heart goes out to her because she was, she was actually, it gives me the goosebumps. She's the reason why she gave me that opportunity. She opened sure. that door for me. Right. And um, so by March, we get a letter from Scolari's. They're selling to Rayleigh's. Yeah. So <laughs> they sold to Rayleigh's except for two stores. We're still in those two stores of Scolari's. Um, but then, of course, that's like starting all over again for me as far as getting into a retailer. Right. Um, but I was in the meantime still, you know, knocking on doors, trying to figure out um, how to get picked up by a distributor. I didn't even know who the distributors were. So I still had this huge learning curve, um, just talking to people, going to gyms and um, having, giving out samples. And so that was kind of my path um, to start. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, on that, it's, it's one of the things that is always a challenge for people because you, um, I, I like to say that you start out in the food business and you end up in the logistics business because you quickly find out that that's kind of how the system has to work and, you know, where distributors and brokers and stuff come into, come into play. But um, were you also, from the website and stuff, were you developing direct-to-consumer as well? And how have you, how have you managed e-commerce? Um, absolutely. So we were... Definitely pushing the e-commerce. That was our um, our number one goal. Um, I had a concentric growth plan. My um, my idea was I would just saturate the Reno market and then grow from there. And so um, my goal was to make sure everybody in Reno knew who Rowdy Bars 
are or who, who we are. Yeah. And um, so we were um, running social media um, ads, Google ads, everything you can think of just to try and drive um, people to our website. And that actually, we did quite well. And then we, uh, we ended up getting onto Amazon and Amazon was a huge um, beast for me, uh, honestly. And then I ended up subcontracting support for that. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. It is, it, it, it has its, uh, it has its challenges. So, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, it, it, we've been through obviously some, you know, some challenging times, but, um, how did the pandemic, um, affect your business and how did you deal with that? Well, you know, we were starting to pick up 2000, um, our, uh, 2020 was supposed to be a, a big year for us. We were going to be in save Mart. We were going to be, we were planning for sprouts. We were planning for a lot of things to happen. We were talking with Kroger and, um, Sprouts still happened. We were delayed a month. Kroger, they, they pushed us out. So we're, we were going to resubmit because they, they, they kind of, they held things. They were not taking any. Um, yeah, they were closed down. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I think the biggest thing that we felt with the pandemic is on more on the retail side. We, because we are so young and so such a new product, um, we weren't really um, a concern. Like we, they, we were kind of, um, we weren't really being paid attention to because we're new, you know, I think sure. that most of the retailers were more focused on the things that they needed to keep on the shelves for the consumer that were in demand and, um, bars, you know, um, from what I've read, you know, obviously in recessions, they, they tend to, the sales drop. And so, um, yeah. we, we, you know, we felt that, but as far as online, our sales online, we, we had a good boost in March for sales online. April was a good month. Um, we kind of trickled down in May and June, but then we picked it back up in August and September. So, um, you know, we're, we're feeling it, but we're, we're going to keep plugging forward. We're not going to stop. <laughs> yeah. You get, we, we, we have to move forward to whatever the new normal or whatever is going to be. Um, right. challenging though, from uh, the retail point of view, obviously a lot of retailers, you mentioned Kroger, one of them, you know, Costco, several others just kind of stopped, you know, mm -hmm. and then, on the big side, big CPG side, there actually is like people like Unilever or whatever are going through and actually doing item rationalization. So they're basically going through and they're actually cutting, which um, because of the supply chain, but that's going to open up some, maybe some room on the shelf for, you know, emerging brands. So we're hoping right. keep our fingers crossed as yes. it starts to come back. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, um, yeah. And particularly with something like bars where it, you know, it transportable, you have a pretty good shelf life, you know, mm -hmm. we can, you know, we can continue to use this. Um, so, all right. So we're in Reno, we're saturating Reno, whatever else. And so how, what's the first move kind of out of Reno? Just sneak over the, over the pass to California or how'd that work? So after Rayleigh's bought Scolari's, I made it my goal to get into Rayleigh's because, that's actually where I shop because it's here in Reno. And, and so, you know, I thought that was the logical next step. And so I really started to um, look in that, you know, reaching out to people and kind of pounding the pavement, so to speak, with getting into Rayleigh's. Well, ironically, um, at one of the trade shows, Ron from um, Washington in um, Hagen's Market. Oh, sure. Yep. He actually called me out of the blue and was like, you know, I picked up these rowdy bars at a trade show and I've been eating them every day and now I'm out of them. 
And I thought to myself, I need to get these bars. <laughs> and so um, he actually opened the door for us to get into market center distribution. Sure. And so we started that process that, so March was when Rayleigh's sold to, or uh, Sclary sold to Rayleigh's. And then August is when Hagen's reached out to us. So we started that whole po uh, process of getting into distribution. Well, getting that process, having that door opened, opened the door to get into Rayleigh's. And so it kind of snowballed it. And um, we got in with Market Center and then Rayleigh's eventually picked us up, um, but not until the following year. So 2019 is when right. we got into Rayleigh's. Yeah. And so, then I started to realize, okay, and then of course Market Center was going through some changes. They were being bought out by Super Value, yep. and then Super Value was being bought out by UNFI. So we kind of got stuck in that whole transition, and so that was that was um, a crash course on distribution for me because I really had to learn how all their systems work and their, um, right. you know, all their backend uh, programs and things. And now we are, um, we are distributed with UNFI and we are distributed. Uh, well, we eventually ended up getting picked up by um, Sprout. So now we're with Kehi as well. Oh yeah. So you're, you're, you're covered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenge to do that. Many companies of course start out with a local distributor and then kind of move their, their way up. And eventually somebody says, okay, well, you know, I want to go into Whole Foods or I want to go into Sprouts. So I got to be with UNFI or, or RKE. Um, the trick there is not getting lost, right? It's right. The, yeah, making sure that, you know, if you're, you're not going to be the largest player probably in your category, but you need to be the noisiest or at least the one with the most, you know, most potential, you know, figure right. that out. Um, so in, in terms of, so bar category, um, do you position with Rowdy Bar, do you position it as snack, as meal replacement, as where do you fall into that? You know, is it strictly energy? Where do you see Rowdy Bar in that continuum? So we position ourselves as a snack. Right. Um, we've been really trying to pay attention to how our customers are, are utilizing Rowdy Bars. And what we're finding is most people are using it as a pre-workout. So I know I use it personally as a pre-workout, um, but that uh, we've got after-school snack. We've been used as an after-school snack for kids. Um, in 2018, we were uh, select or we won the Mindful Award for children's snacks. So we really do p position ourselves as a snack, not a meal replacement, because we are low lower calorie, um, right, right. and um, but we're very clean. So. It, it, but we're also sustainable because of the yukon root and being yukon root is a, a zero to one on the glycemic index. So you're not going to have that spike with most bars. You'll, you'll get a spike in energy and that energy bars, you'll get a spike and then you'll crash later and you're hungry. And the, the, the nice thing with rowdy bars is it really does give you that sustainable satisfaction and um, energy. So um, we've had people who've emailed us and say that they have um, a rowdy. Well, they have a rowdy bar for lunch or they have it for breakfast with their coffee. So some people are using it as a meal replacement, but I wouldn't say um, for most people, I would say it's more of a snack. Yeah. Snacking side. Mm -hmm. And, and of course that's that, that whole, the, the whole snacking thing has gotten crazy because people are using snacks actually as meal replacements now. Mm -hmm. So uh, trying to go through that, but trending toward healthier. Um, what do you think that the, that the health trends in general, I mean, you know, we've moved a lot of food to healthier over the last few years or whatever. Do you think the pandemic is going to accelerate that people are going to pay more attention to labels and what they're eating? 
absolutely especially immune immune you know support and right. foods that support the immune system and the digestive center is the center of our immunity and so that's our focus is we want a healthy digestive system so that people are living healthier lives and so yeah i absolutely think it's going to push people in that direction so are are you without getting into proprietary secrets and stuff are you considering some new products or what are you what are you working on for you know down the road um so we'll be expanding the keto line so we have some um, new flavors that we'll probably launch next week or next year and then um also something that um we're, we're working on is some other product lines and um one of them being, uh, we're, we're looking into powders, like superfood powders. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something that we're that we've got in the horizon. So did you continue to? I mean, I mean, when you start out, you're the number one salesperson uh, for the group. <laughs> you talked about kind of putting the team together and stuff. How did you handle basically balancing sales, production, whatever? How, how did that grow? So. Sometimes I don't, I look back on that. I'm like, I don't even know how I did it, but I did manage it all on my own. Um, there were, uh, there were a couple periods throughout the last two and a half years where I brought um, a team or, or an individual on and um, decided it wasn't a good fit and moved on. But uh, eventually I hired, um, I've, I've got some brokers now and I've got a national sales team now that I'm working with that have been awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, all, that's always good to have for sure. Right. Support, and, support them. <laughs> right. And actually I just, um, just this year, my younger sister came on board and she's managing all my marketing and she's, she's starting to learn the sales side of things. So she's picking up on the, um, you know, how to manage the different uh, brokers and, and the sales team as well. Mm -hmm. So, and, um, so in, in terms of that, do you, um, I mean, and people, I'm, sure most of our audience is aware but whatever is that you for a distributor even with a broker you may not be the only bar in the house um and so how do you position or how do you work rowdy bars so that you get that attention we were talking about that you need i think the thing that really separates us from the other bars is the prebiotic component and the fact that we're using yacon root it's really a niche um, because we've been well received with both type one and type two diabetics. We have a national partnership with JDRF, um, which is, um, juvenile diabetes research foundation. Yep. Yep. And, um, so, and then we also just started a, a national partnership with DECA, which is diabetes education camp association. So it's camps throughout the, the nation that educate children who are living with type one diabetes. So um, we've, we've positioned ourselves with um, these organizations because we've seen such a good response um, and they, it's a snack that they can eat that doesn't um, right. affect their blood sugar. And, and so I think that really separates us from a lot of the bars that are out there. And we're the, we are the only bar using yuck on root. Right. So that's, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely great. Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, when, when keto, well, both keto paleo kind of, you know, were growing there were people who were looking at it going oh okay all right uh it's gonna be like kale it you know it's it's gonna maybe it's gonna have its day whatever. but it's amazing the traction that both things have had mm -hmm. and continue to have and one of the uh challenges is especially with with well with either diet 
style is it doesn't fit neatly into a demographic, right? It's, you know, so we kind of look at organic and you can kind of, okay, you know, moms with younger children are driving that, you know, but keto can be all over the map. I mean, people that are doing keto are not necessarily, uh, you know, wearing Birkenstocks and shopping at health food stores. So uh, it's very, uh, very interesting. And just to see how that continues and continues to, you know, continues to to, uh, grow. Um, So, okay. So, we had a long conversation at Fancy Food Show. Then the pandemic happens. So what? I mean, what did you guys do to basically continue to get the product out there? Uh, you know, we lost Expo. We lost both Expos. We, what did you guys do instead? Um, well, we offer a lot of um, discounts, obviously, through our website. But we also participate a lot in um, all the virtual runs that have been going on. So we're. I grew up running and so participating in um, running events and triathlons and things like that. So I have a lot of connections in that arena. And so um, we have partnered with a lot of the local events and even events um, nationwide where we're uh, donating bars, samples. We give, we, we were giving uh, digital coupons where we would donate a hundred percent. So they just go to the website and they would, put in their coupon code and they would get a free bar. We would ship them. We'd right. ship them a bar. Okay. So yeah. We're getting the bars in people's hands. We participated in the nourish festival, um, which was a virtual festival, which was really great and got, um, got to talk with a bunch of, um, of the participants that were, you know, going through the virtual booth and, and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we, um, and then, you know, we also give out samples, um, you know, uh, we have um, variety packs on our website where we'll discount it to literally nothing so people can try it just to get it in people's hands. We had a digital coupon with Sprouts. So, um, you know, we're running sp- specials constantly just to get the bar in people's hands. That's awesome. Um, so h- how do you like working with Sprouts? It, it- uh, it's been great. Yeah. yeah, we've been, um, so far it's been re- wonderful. So we're very excited to have the partnership. And um, we're looking forward to just growing. We only have two SKUs with them right now. They, they cut us in in April. It was supposed to be in March, but then it, uh, the pandemic pushed us into April. Yeah. And um, I believe we're, we're set for the reset in November. So um, we'll do the reset with the two SKUs, and then hopefully we'll grow our line with them. It's interesting because they're really, they're fun stores and, and um, you know, when they started out, people were kind of like, oh, is this kind of like Whole Foods light? You know, and then, but then it turned out to be something and they, they carved a significant niche. I mean, just, you know, out there and, uh, but you know, a great shopping, shopping experience. So glad you're, you know, glad you're in there. Um, so if, so if somebody out in the audience is, uh, uh, you know, uh, active and, uh, maybe they don't have to be a runner, but maybe they're active and they're, you know, dealing with, uh, some issues and have found something to, um, to work with that. What, what kind of counsel would you tell them to look out for and stuff in, in trying to start a business like yours? Um, I would say, um, to be patient. I know a lot of entrepreneurs say that, but I, I really do think that is, um, the one thing that I've really had to overcome is, 
it's not going to be on my time. I have to let things happen and realize, especially in this industry, if you're going into the CPG industry, nothing happens overnight. And um, so I've had to really learn how to be patient and then just to trust the process. And so um, I would say, you know, if you if you're looking to start a, a company in this industry, just to believe in your product, perfect it, test it. And um, if you believe in it, then you'll be able to you'll be able to persevere. But to stay to stay uh, humble and and um, and just keep the, the faith. <laughs> yeah, which you, which you have to do. We know there are times. Uh, what's, what's the most fun part? I mean, what do you, what do you still like and really get a kick out of and get you, you know, get you going in the morning? Honestly, I have my family working with me. So that's one of the best parts is that my sisters work with me. Um, that, that, and then the other part is when we come up with new, new, uh, flavors. That oh, is my favorite part R&D. by far. <laughs> I love okay. coming up with the new flavors and working with the food scientists. That's just where, that's where the passion started for me. So it's still my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. I, I always, I just love going in and, in, in, you know, where, where somebody's working in the kitchen and coming up with something new and going, Oh, try the new lemon blueberry. It's like, Oh yeah, that's really yeah. great. I love that. Yeah. You know. Um, we get that out there. The, the challenge, of course, to that is, is that if you just keep introducing new flavors, you end up cutting the same pie <laughs> into yeah. smaller pieces. So you got to be careful about, you know, where that goes. And that's t- typical big CPG is exactly what they do. And it's like, uh oh, you know, it's like the strawberry mango. Wait a minute. That didn't sell very well. Well, no. you, you only have 12 SKUs. I mean, it's like, come on, you know, how many <laughs> things can I eat? You figure it out. Well- And one of the things that we've been focusing on this year is perfecting the ones that we have. So really listening to our customers and um, if they've got feedback for us of things that they've noticed with the bars, we've been in the kitchen perfecting them. So we we're even relaunching our chocolate, coconut, cashew, and our sunflower butter and berries uh, this December with um, some tweaks based off of some of the feedback we've gotten from customers. So that part I really enjoy too, is hearing what people are saying and then seeing how we can get better. So that's my main focus right now, but I do have like a ton of ideas of new flavors that I can't wait to get out there, but you're right. I have to pace myself with that. (laughs) I I worked with a woman who had some uh, chocolate uh, candy truffle stuff actually. And, uh, you know, and her favorite that she came up with, unfortunately the ingredient cost was such that she couldn't have it in her line. And she was trying to figure out, well, how can I put this in a gold wrapper or something or whatever? And I nicknamed it the $20 truffle. And it, oh, was absol- it. it was absolutely wonderful. But literally with the ingredients alone, she was beyond what her current product was at shelf. It's like, this isn't going to work. You know? <laughs> it's wonderful, but oh. uh, it's not going to fit in the line, I'm afraid. you know. Right. Um, <laughs> Let, let's, uh, let me ask you uh, another thing, just on a little more practical note, and that is uh, when you started out, speaking of pricing, and you get your cost of goods together and whatever, did you go out and look at the bar category and say, this is kind of where I have to be and how do I get there? Or did you say, oh, no, I need a 40% margin on my cogs and here I go? I did the, the first, what you mentioned. I, I actually looked at the pricing of what my, what my potential competitors were, were based at. And then I went back and looked at what it was going to cost me to make the bars. We're a little bit more expensive than the typical bar on the shelf just because we do have um, really 
good quality ingredients. And the yukon root is a more expensive ingredient. Sure. But we've been able to price ourselves in a competitive um, in a competitive place. We we are able to stay under the three dollar mark. So um, and then we can offer specials where we get down to a dollar ninety nine. So. Um, it's been, um, it was a challenge. I, the pricing was a bit of a challenge because we do have higher cost because we are smaller. So we have lower runs plus oh, the sure. ingredients. Yeah. Are more expensive. Yeah. So we've had to really bounce. I, for me, it was more about creating a product that was going to actually benefit people. And then I believe that, that in, in, you know, obviously we have to have the margin so that we can stay afloat. That's business. But um, it was more about having this product that was really actually going to benefit people's lives. And so now that's where we're at. And yeah, maybe we're a little more on the pricey side, but, uh, and I actually, I don't even think we're that pricey uh, on our website. We sell for um, $2. So um, I think we're reasonable. That's very and, yeah. yeah. So I think it's just, um, it's a matter of what people are looking for, or what they want or what they're willing to pay for kind of thing. So yeah. Got it. Awesome. So, um, I wanted to to ask you. Um, we 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 torture our guests here by um, by having them come up with, if they can, um, sort of what the biggest single challenge was that you overcame in growing the business and sharing that with your fellow entrepreneurs. I'd say my biggest challenge is being, and it's still kind of a challenge I'm working through, is the brand awareness, um, but also paired with finding the right sales team. Um, how I overcame this, the sales challenge of like getting the right force is by trial and error. Okay. Right. Fair so enough. I went through a couple of bad, um, <laughs> a bad, yeah, a couple of bad, um, experiences to get to where I'm at today. And so, um, and, and a lot of money lost, I'll be honest, um, with those bad experiences, but, uh, now I feel like I'm in a good position and with, with my sales team, but we're still struggling with the brand awareness. So, um, and just being a smaller brand. So, um, but I, I think how we're working through that is having relationships like with people like you and, um, and just really working at connecting with our, our customers. Right. And that, that customer base, especially today with social media is just so much more important than it used to be because mm -hmm. they, you have thousands of brand ambassadors out there. I mean, literally if, if they're talking about it or if they take it to work with them or what, and then it's like, okay, we can, we can bring this back around. Right. So, well, Kelly, I really hate, appreciate you taking the time for being with us today. It was great to have you on the show. We finally got to do this about time. Yeah, um, thank you. And, and we want to keep, uh, keep in touch and, and keep track of the growth of Roddy Bars because it's been fun watching it. And I know you're going to do some more, some more great things. So, Thanks for, thanks for sharing with us. Appreciate well, thank, it. I certainly appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. And by the way, thanks to all the rest of you for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast. We couldn't have it without an audience. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational resource for CPG entrepreneurs and emerging brands. Kitchen to Shelf is also the home of To Do Tuesday, a weekly short reach out hosted by K2S founder, Deborah Armstrong. Every Tuesday, she outlines a simple to-do that will help you accomplish larger goals in growing your business. If you need some weekly accountability, try To-Do Tuesdays from Kitchen to Shelf, available on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two shelf.com. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands Podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next 
with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.